Welcome to the Pain of Scale, the Notion Podcast. Hi, Stephen. How are you today? I'm very well, Paul. And you? Oh, very good, as always. So we're continuing this quest to understand this old framework of startups, grow up, scale up. We're running through the theme. So which theme are we going for today? So we're going to talk about customer success within the kind of uh, the whole context of revenue growth and the critical importance of that to any SaaS business. And what do we have today to actually talk about that? Well, I, I can't imagine we could get a, a better person to talk on this subject. Not only has he built a very successful SaaS business, but he wrote the book on customer success. So we've got Nick Meta. Nick is the CEO of uh, Gainsight. He wrote a really great book, which is called Customer Success, How Innovative Companies are Reducing Churn and Growing Recurring Revenue, which is a good plug. We'll, we'll come back to that, I'm sure. He was previously the CEO of a software as a service company called eDiscovery and led that through its acquisition by Symantec. And prior to that, he was a vice president at Veritas Software. So he's got a, an incredible perspective on SaaS and customer success. He also embodies the rule of, I think it's called the golden rule, isn't it, Nick? That's right, yeah. Do unto others as you would want done to you, which I'm interested to understand a little bit about where that kind of philosophy came from and why it's so important to you. Yeah, totally. And thank you for having me, Stephen. It's an honor to be on your podcast. So at Gainsight, we're a very values-driven company. So we have five values that we really you know, try to live by and hold ourselves accountable to every day. One of those is the golden rule, and we have four others. And these are values we came up with in the very early days of the company. I think for us, we're excited about building software and you know building a profitable business, but we're even more excited about having a purpose to our company and like having a why behind what we do. So we're a very purpose-driven company and our values are a big part of it. Yeah, and I, I think it really resonates with me, that whole kind of concept of paying it forward in a way that is so yeah. critical in, in the whole kind of business that, that you're operating as well, isn't it? Well, it ties so well into what we're going to talk about because, you know, our, our general belief is that in older economy businesses, things could be much more transactional, much more kind of a zero sum game. You get a customer, you get them to pay you up front. The more money you get, the better. Whether they use it or not is, is not your problem, right? But we think the newer businesses all have this notion of shared success. The vendor wins if the customer wins. If the customer is not getting value, the vendor is not going to keep the customer, right? And you're fundamentally linking the success of the company with the success of your customers. And we think that changes the way you need to think about your own company's values and culture. You know, that ties so well into the, this topic. We hear so many SaaS companies, don't we, obsessing about customer acquisition, rightly, whatever stage they're at. But growth at any cost without an obsession on keeping your customers, making them successful and expanding them is ultimately going to kill a, a company's fortunes. And, and I want to kind of dig into that kind of conversation in the context of, you know, the early stage when they're really just trying to figure out, are they actually solving a problem that's worth solving? Maybe there's 10 of them in a room through to 25, 50 in, in one office. And then through the company building phase, we call it the grow up phase when they get to maybe 5 million and they're growing up to 25 million and they want to build a, a really repeatable, scalable business. And then they want to get really big, really fast. So I really like to kind of dive into that a little bit and understand how important customer success is, how it starts and then kind of how it, how it matures. So why don't we start with just jumping into a little bit about what we mean by customer success. I read on one of your blogs that, you know, people obsess about churn 
in the context of SaaS quite rightly, but that's kind of a rear view mirror. What are some of the forward-looking kind of indicators that, that you think people should be thinking about from, from day one? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, just to put that concept of the rear view indicator in context, you know, if you think about any person or business buying a product or service, subscribing to something, at the end of the day, you know, you're looking for some value out of it, right? You don't, you don't buy a software product, for example, to log into it. You buy it to get something out of it, right? You buy it to generate more revenue for your company or to make your employees more happy or make your customers more satisfied. And so fundamentally, when a customer decides to not renew what people call churn, they've done that after they've hit a series of issues that have prevented them from getting to the goals and objectives that they've got. And again, we kind of define customer success very simply in these two underlying concepts. We talk about customer success as being the combination of getting customers to the outcomes they're looking for, right? That's kind of, you know, what's the reason they bought more revenue, happier customers, happier employees, you know, those metrics they're looking for with good experiences, right? And that means that they're, they're happy working with your company. They're happy with your support. They like your people. And so we, we often very simply say CS, customer success, equals CO, customer outcomes, plus CX, customer experience, right? And so fundamentally, if you want to drive customer success and retain your customers, you need to get them to the outcomes they're looking for with good experiences. And then what we help people do is think about what are those leading indicators to outcomes and experiences? And there can be many things depending on your business, right? So if you think about your outcomes your customers looking for, well, you know, a simple leading indicator is have they even deployed your product, right? Obviously, if they haven't deployed your product, probably a good chance they're not getting value out of it, right? Another indicator could be, are they using it, right? Are they logging in every day? Who's using it? How much? But another indicator is how sophisticated are they at using your product or service? Are they using the advanced features? Have they integrated it tightly into their workflow? Could you measure the ROI that they're getting? So that's all about the outcomes that they're getting. And then on the experience side, you can measure things like, how do they feel about your company? You know, People use net promoter score, which is a customer satisfaction methodology to measure how they feel about you. You can measure how many bad experiences do they have with you? How often do they have to call for support? You can measure, are they responding to your emails? When you reach out to them, are they responding back? You know, that might be a, a sign that they're engaged or disengaged. So you can measure the outcomes, measure the experiences, and those are leading indicators to whether they're going to stay with you or not. So when does that start? I mean, how early in a SaaS company's life should they be thinking about this? Yeah. Well, well, in the early days of, of a startup, I think customer success isn't about retention or churn at all. Because honestly, you probably don't have that many customers to retain or churn, right? What you have is a desire to prove product market fit, right? Or as I think you talk about it, are you solving a problem worth solving? And there's often a founder, maybe multiple founders, there's some engineers, and they're really committed to finding a problem that's worth solving, right? Some people call that the minimum viable product, right? The customer success kind of role is critical in that because it's part of your learning engine. It's that engine to be sitting with the customers if it's a higher touch product and getting them to start using it. It's seeing their feedback. It's actually tracking what they're doing, what they're not doing. It's figuring out ways to drive more adoption. And it's getting the input back to product about what needs to change to make this product really solve the problems the user is looking for. So I, you know, I live in Silicon Valley in California. And I know a lot of startups where you know employee number one is the founder, employee number two is an engineer, employee number three is like a UX person, employee number four is a customer success manager. 
And they're not measured on retention or churn or anything else. They're part of the team helping to figure out if there's a problem worth solving. And that obviously changes a lot as you grow, but it's all about learning in the early days. So it's a fascinating kind of stage, isn't it, with these early stage companies? I was running a session with one today and, you know, that creating that kind of narrative that everything you're delivering has to be delivering both outcome and a great experience is a, is a, is a really... It, for some, maybe quite a big step. So, how do you how did you create that culture against it? I mean, it's a bizarre concept, isn't it? A customer success SaaS company creating a customer success culture for itself. How did you create that right at the beginning? Yeah, I know. We always joke that uh, we're we're living in that movie uh, Inception, where the guys in a dream, inside a dream, inside a dream. You know, <laughs> I love <And> we're, that. <laughs> we're doing customer success for a customer success company two customer success people. Um, And, you know, what's great about that is we're always really forcing ourselves to think about what we do is not just being for ourselves, but figuring out the playbook for the industry in general. And so what that means, I think, in Gainsight's case is obviously it's, it's just core to everything we do, right? Because it's not only about retaining our customers and making them adopt, but it's figuring out the playbook for the industry. And it's in a way, it's the way we market because we share our best practices on all this. But I think the way this translates to people listening to the podcast, your customer success people are not about just figuring out how to retain customers, right? That's a, sort of one of the, the outcomes. But fundamentally, what you're trying to figure out is what is the value of what you're doing, right? What is the value of your product or service? And how do you help converge the product and the offering today towards that desired value? And that's why in a lot of companies, the customer success team has so much the most precious knowledge in the whole company. You know, the product team is awesome. The engineering team is great. Often they're not interacting with customers that much and seeing that day-to-day happiness or frustration and what the customer really wants. And so I think that CSM team, more than being about churn, is about really understanding the customer very deeply. In your context and also in the context of your customers, what changes through those kind of startup, grow up and scale up? stages and what stays the same. Yeah. So, you know, we'll talk more about the kind of growth stages and kind of going from, you know, 10 people to 50 people and 50 to 250 and so on. I think the customer success job changes a lot, right? So in the early days, as I mentioned, it's not about retention and churn. It's about adoption and it's about learning, right? Those are the two key things. And what you need in those early days are people that are willing to almost do anything, right? In, In a way, in the early days, you've got an engineer, you've got product managers, maybe you've got UX people, and you've got miscellaneous, which is often the customer success job, right? Everything from you know learning how to do the demo to help the salespeople, to setting up the early product, because you probably don't have an onboarding team, to helping the customer use the product, to getting feedback, working with product management. So what you need are people that are very, very creative, take a lot of initiative, and are willing to do lots of different things, right? Your classic jack of all trades. As you go to that five to $25 million, you know, kind of that growth stage, it changes a lot because you now have, you know, if you've got an annual subscription business, you've got renewal cycles, you know, you've got a scaling customer base. It starts becoming about repeatable processes. It starts becoming about metrics. The roles get more defined. You know, you might break out customer success into different pieces. There might be a team that's responsible for inbound support when there's issues, a different team responsible for onboarding new customers, and a still different team responsible for actually driving adoption and retention for existing customers, right? And so you start doing specialization of roles. 
And then when you get into that sort of kind of, you know, later stage growth phase, you know, $25 million to 250 and, and thereabouts, you start getting a little bit more of a commercial orientation as well, because this customer success team now is obviously really critical because that renewal number gets really big, but also is the source of a lot of growth through expansion revenue, right? Either they're doing the expansion themselves or they're handing it back to sales, but they need to be thinking about how to get this customer to do more with our company, to use more of our products, more of our services. And so if you're kind of summarizing that in the early days, adoption and learning in the middle, it's about kind of process and metrics and scale. And then as you get bigger, it also becomes about the commercial side. And, you know, some people, some CSMs scale themselves through those three phases. And in some cases, you know, different people are needed for different phases. And do you see much difference in that kind of that framework that you described, depending on the type of organizations customers are selling to? Absolutely. So if they're selling into SME versus mid versus large enterprise? Yeah, that's right. So we, again, we define three core paradigms of customer success, three kind of models you can deploy. And in some companies might deploy all, but some may deploy one or more. The models are what we call high-touch customer success. So that's where you're selling to enterprises. You've got a um, often a complex product or service. You've got big deals, usually, right? That might be um, in terms of annual recurring revenue. These could be hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, or it could be millions of dollars a year if you're doing US dollars. And these customers are spending a lot. There's often many people involved in the client, right? So there's a, maybe a professional services group. There might be a dedicated training group. There might be a support team. And customer success in that high-touch model is all about kind of quarterbacking or kind of bringing everyone together to make sure that that customer experience is really flawless across all of these different moving pieces. The second model of customer success, if you imagine going down in the pyramid of your customers, is what we call mid-touch customer success, right? And that's not high-touch, so it's not the super kind of white glove, but it's for customers where you know your client might be spending anywhere from you know, tens of thousands of dollars a year in US dollars to maybe $100,000 a year, a little bit more than that. And in that model, you can't afford to be on site with that client every day. You can't afford to be having one CSM managing a small number of customers. They may be managing a, a larger number. And so there you're looking more at indicators and sort of processes to say, which customer do I work with today? You know, this customer needs help because of these issues that have come up. This one just got out of onboarding. And we often refer to that as kind of a just-in-time model. You're getting to that customer, working with them just in time, but you're not working with each customer every day. And then finally, at the bottom of your pyramid, you know, let's say you sell to really small businesses and they're spending you know, a few hundred dollars a year, a few thousand dollars a year. In that model, you can't afford to even have a CSM as a human being talking to that customer on a regular basis. The, the model just doesn't scale. So you're often applying what we call a tech-touch approach. And we call that tech-touch because you still want a high-touch experience. You want the client to feel good. But you have to do a lot of it through technology, whether it's automated emails, whether it's communication that shows up in the application kind of through pop-up messages, or whether it's the occasional phone call but used very strategically. So that tech-touch model is for SMB. So high-touch, mid-touch, and tech-touch. And you mentioned about in the large enterprise, the high-touch, that you know, the, there's a, a critical role in terms of revenue expansion. DRR, as, as sometimes described. One of the dilemmas I, I come across is people who, you know, there's a confusion as to whose responsibility it is for, you know, expanding revenues. Where do you, do you see kind of particular best practice across the, uh, across the ecosystem? Yeah. So if you kind of think about those tiers again, right, and you, and you sort of think about different segmentation models, 
if you're selling to smaller businesses and you have smaller deals, it's often very hard to have tons of different people involved in the same customer. First, first of all, from a client perspective, that can be very frustrating, right? Because you have a lot of people you have to talk to for different things. And then just from an economics perspective, it's hard to scale that. And so what people often do in companies that sell to small business is they'll have one kind of commercial role called an account manager, and they may be doing kind of expansion. They may do renewal. And then sometimes you may have a separate CSM that's doing adoption and value. Or you may literally have one role that's doing both kind of the commercial and the value. So in the, in the sort of very small business segment. As you go up to the higher end, what you find is that in the very top, kind of the true enterprise, you'll often have totally distinct roles. You might have a role for expanding the customer and selling new things, a different role for doing the renewal, a different role for doing professional services, a different role for doing customer success. And in the middle, it's probably kind of a halfway in between. You might have you know, a salesperson that does kind of the, you know, new business kind of land sale. And then you may have a CSM who does the renewal, but then maybe brings a salesperson back for expansion, right? So again, simple model is the smaller your customer, probably the fewer roles you can have, the more the CSM probably has to wear both a commercial hat and a kind of value hat. The bigger the customer, the more you can separate out the kind of adoption and value from the commercial. That makes sense. So, Nick, how, how do you see the world of customer success evolving in the coming years? I mean, you guys are writing the playbook. I'm just wondering how you envisage that changing. Oh, yeah. It's amazing because it's changing every day and so much. You know, I, we've been doing this about five and a half years at Gainsight, and um, it's unbelievable how much has changed just in that short period of time. If you had asked people five and a half years ago, what was customer success? They might've said, you know, it's, it's really just about tracking adoption. You know, that's it, just about usage and adoption, right? And now it's turned into, you know, high touch and tech touch and all the things we've been talking about and much more. And so what we see is that kind of, some companies are just new to the party, right? They're really just talking about this as sort of a new concept. And for them, what we're doing is we explain that there's sort of this kind of basic framework. We call it the elements of customer success, these 16 ingredients that I, what we would say most kind of companies are doing some part of today. Things like, you know, renewal management or adoption management or managing customer experience, things that we've talked about. But then the more kind of cutting edge companies are kind of taking this to the next level. So some examples, a number of companies are saying, okay, this data and customer success is great and it's great for renewals and adoption. But it should be changing the way the whole company works. So they're starting to say, how do I incorporate customer success learnings and data into the product development process, into marketing, thinking about who we market to, into sales process, in terms of how we filter customers and target them. You know, many companies are starting to look at the customer journey end to end, you know, from the time somebody comes to our website to when they buy, to when they onboard, and looking at how to have a more integrated experience end-to-end. That's the second thing that's really hot amongst the more mature companies. A third thing that we're seeing a lot of is companies saying, okay, we've done a great job driving improvements in gross retention, meaning reducing churn, you know, preventing customers from leaving. Now let's go look at that expansion, right? Because you can only reduce churn so much. As, as you know, Stephen, at some point, there's going to be some natural level of churn in a business. You know, Customers go out of business, you know, some that you just can't save. And at some point, there may be more ROI in driving expansion, meaning getting your good customers to do more than there is in chasing that one last customer that's not happy that you can't do anything about. So I'm seeing more mature companies start to focus more on expansion, not just retention. And then finally, probably the one that's maybe the most, you know, kind of futuristic, but I think going to be the biggest upside. In general, aligning more with product and customer success 
So looking at all the different ways the two teams can work together, as an example, how can we take the processes and customer success and build them into the product? So when I come back to the product and I haven't used a certain feature, that it's the system's just telling me about this new feature instead of a CSM reaching out to me. On the flip side, how can I have a good process for CS people talking to customers to give that feedback back to product in a structured way that scales so that product is really using all the data and learnings from CS to build a better product? Yeah, and I've spoken to Dan about this a number of times. You know, the driving that thought process that as you establish best practice in terms of customer success and understand how your customers are really using your product, then start to think about how you can make that more seamless and integral to the product itself and i think that's uh, this huge huge potential that's right for um, well not just for obviously the, the SaaS company itself in terms of being more successful but but the end customer getting more value which you know those, those two things are so intertwined there's exactly that's right just one last question on the kind of the whole customer success kind of piece and then we'll just change tack slightly at the end as you've grown Again, with this kind of, uh, you're running a SaaS company, it's a high growth business, you've, you've raised a lot of money, you've got a big organization, you've got some big, big revenue targets. I'm getting stressed out now just talking to you, Stephen. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> how has how you manage the performance of Gainsight changed over the, the last five years in terms of you know, some of the things that you measure and track to make sure that you deliver? Yeah, I mean, within customer success has changed radically, probably along the the lines of the kind of the maturity process we've talked about, right? From a early focus just on adoption and really just getting customers to to use the stuff and give us feedback, right? And there's a there's an iterative loop. If they're not using your product early on, then you're not getting feedback, so you're not learning what you need to do, right? So that sort of first phase was very very similar to what I described, and a lot of our CSMs in the early days were these super kind of utility players that were willing to do almost anything and you know their backgrounds varied a lot but then as we started scaling up we started getting a better sense of what kind of resources we needed for different parts of the customer life cycle we specialized you know professional services to do onboarding we specialized support we specialized training specialized CSM we came up with different profiles you know when we serve small customers our CSMs tend to be more product knowledgeable and a little bit deeper on the product. When we serve large customers, our CSMs often come from a management consulting background because in large customers, one of the biggest challenges is change management and working with their existing organization. And so hiring people from you know the McKinsey's and Bain's and, and you know, Accenture's of the world, you know, people have that experience. So the profiles changed a lot in terms of what we, what we do. We've also thought a lot, another thing that's kind of, we haven't talked about, as you scale, you got to always balance, you know, a number of different things in a business, right? You've got, again, site, we talk about this concept of success for all. That's one of our values. And it means we want to drive success, not just for our investors, although we, we love our investors dearly, if you're listening to this podcast, but we actually also want to drive success for our customers, obviously, given what we do, and our teammates. And we think of this kind of triangle between investors, customers, and teammates. And when you think about CSMs, you're always managing that triangle because you can Give CSMs more work with the same number of resources, which is probably good for investors because you know there's less cost there. But then you're you're going to really stress those teammates out. They're going to feel really stretched. Then they're going to feel like they can never win. They're working all the time. You can obviously invest more in the teammates, and then you're you know probably a little bit lower margin. You can back off on what you're doing for customers, right? And so you think of this triangle, and, and there's always this healthy tension between customer success, teammate success, and investor success. And that's something that we've always really played with over time. I think 
sometimes in the early days, we were just all about customer success only, right? Which not surprising given what we do. But then you start, you have to start saying, okay, how's our model going to scale? And what do we need to do from an investor perspective? You know, how much ARR can a CSM manage? How do you improve that ratio over time? So you start working investor success. But then you start seeing your team and you say, wow, these people are so stretched and maybe they're getting burnt out and some of them are leaving. And so, you know, I'm very passionate about teammate success and our, our culture. And so that, that balance is something we've, we've shifted and played with a lot over the years. Currently, where we stand now, you know, we're about 550 person company. And I will say that the thing we spend probably the most time on is teammate success. And the way we think about it is if we have a happy, engaged team working with our clients and they're, they're knowledgeable and they're enabled and they feel autonomy and mastery and purpose, they're going to do a great job in terms of customer success. And that's going to drive investor success and shareholder results. So I think some of this is, you know, never losing sight of your team because that's sort of what makes everything happen. I like that. Thank you, Nick. There were a few things we're maybe just kind of closing off with a few kind of key inflection points. You know, I always think it's fascinating for anybody who's who's tracking the kind of success that Gainsight's had and is thinking, well, you know, we're 50 people, but, uh, you know, we want to get to 550. Maybe just, um, just kind of allude to a few of the kind of the key inflection points that, that you've been through would be really interesting. I definitely empathize. If anyone's listening on this podcast and is like a 20-person company, I, I, I still remember it like it was yesterday. And actually, fun, funnily enough, I have uh, two really interesting memories from the early days. One was moving into our first you know, proper office, and it's probably 3,000 square feet, and thinking, we're never going to fill this. And we'll probably be out of business before the end of the lease. <laughs> so it's a two-year lease. Um, I was obviously, you know, quite a while ago. And then number two, literally in that same office on the first day, trying to get the Wi-Fi to work. Which, uh, which <laughs> the, the the problems we deal with are sometimes very tactical, sometimes very strategic, right? And over the years, I think there've been a lot of you know different. You look back with the benefit of hindsight and some inflection points that are now obvious. You know, one. You mentioned Dan Steinman. Dan's um, one of our first teammates, and you know he came from one of our customers. He was the head of customer success at Marketo. You know, if you're thinking about practical tips, hiring somebody from a client, I can't think of anything better to get you invested in customer success because you have somebody who has walked in their shoes. So getting Dan on board, huge, huge thing in the history of the company. Another one, launching our first Pulse conference. We do a conference on customer success, as, as you know, Stephen. It's become pretty big. We had about five thousand people there this past. April in, in uh, the San Francisco area. And we also do one in Europe. And we had about 1,000 people there last year. But the first one we ran was about 300 people in 2013. And you know, we didn't know whether anyone would show up. But kind of putting yourselves out there as a, not just a company building software, but building a community, for us, that was a really big milestone. And we kind of kept doubling down on that as we grew. Another one, I think, was um, we certainly raised a lot of money and been you know, fortunate to have some great investors. Each of those rounds, I think, became important milestones for us because they just let us play a little bit bigger each time. You know, um, it, There's no one that would be any bigger than any other, but they just kind of kept letting us kind of up the game in terms of what we were doing. Writing the book, you, know, uh, you mentioned that a little bit in the beginning. You know, We had the publisher, Wiley Publishing, who's a great partner to us, uh, approach us about writing a book in 2014. And I had two reactions. Number one, I don't know if we have anything interesting to say. And number two, does anyone read like printed business books anymore? <laughs> and the truth was actually, yes, on both of those. We actually, um, you know, actually Dan, my colleague did a lot of the writing and he and I wrote this together and a lot of stuff that I think resonated with people because we, we learned a lot from the community and uh, put that all into this book. But then number two, business books still have a huge impact. Um, we, you know, the, Our book sold about 50,000 copies so far, which is apparently, I think, a pretty good number for a business book. 
And it's let us reach companies all throughout the world. So writing that book, I think was another big one. So many other ones, obviously, you know, getting our first, you know, seven figure ACV customer, you know, getting our first big public customer, things like that. But lots of great memories along the way. The last thing I'll lead with those that, that it's not, at least for us, it's never been like one thing that happened and it felt like everything changed. I think you like, in hindsight, you'd like that to be the case, but it certainly is a lot of incremental things over time and, and maybe finding the ones that are working like our Pulse Conference and then just kind of doubling down on them every year. Yeah. I really like the, the way you've approached it from, you're not just building a, a product or a SaaS platform and you describe a community, but actually I, I'd say you're, you're defining a category and that category is totally associated with Gainsight and that's incredible. Yeah. And you go back to something I said in the beginning, which is I think all of us want to find meaning in our work, right? In our purpose for our work, because you know, we all have unfortunately far too short lives on this planet, right? And work, you know, we, if we were going to do it, we'd love to have it actually mean something to us. And at Gainsight, you know, for us, the, the purpose we found is really twofold. One is kind of in the way we run the company and treat our people. And we, we call it kind of a human first culture, putting people first. And in the same breath, this community that we've enabled, you know, we build software for them, which is great. But much more important to me is there's this job out there, customer success manager, that's become a pretty big job. And, you know, it's actually LinkedIn says it's the third fastest growing job in the world right now. And, um, you know, we feel like we owe it to that job to make these people successful, help them in their careers, help them advance. And that gives us a lot of meaning. So I hope, you know, people on the podcast, you're able to find that meaning that's more than just, you know, helping grow revenue in your company. I think that's what keeps you going for the long term. It's a good way to bring it to a close. That's been a really um, fascinating conversation, Nick. And the, the, the passion for your topic just kind of shines through. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, 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 oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a nerd about this stuff. So <laughs> other people might be into sports and things like that, but this is our passion. I think you're into sports as well. I'm into some sports too, but I think this is a this has taken over almost besides my family, almost everything in my life. So this is our mission. Right. So it's a it's a real joy. Thank you. We've probably taken enough of your time. Hey, Stephen, it's been a total pleasure being on with you. Thank you so much. It's a real privilege, and I'm so glad that so many of our portfolio companies are, are now working with you because it gives us real reassurance that they. They've got, uh, you know, they've got you behind them. Thank you so much. Thank you, gents.